you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 this morning. We sent out um, our little Christmas boxes all over the world, and we checked in this morning. Have you checked where your box went? Our boxes for the Travisano family ended up in Mongolia. Mongolia. <laughs> so each of the children, grandchildren, sent a box and uh, ended up in Mongolia. What a blessing. Okay, this morning, Luke chapter 1, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Story about an old man in Miami who called up his son in New York and said, listen, your mother and I are getting a divorce. 45 years of misery is enough. The son cried out, Dad, what are you talking about? We can't stand the sight of each other any longer. I'm sick of her face. I'm sick of talking about it. So call your sister in Chicago and tell her, and he hang up. Now the son is worried. He calls his sister and says, she says, like heck, they're getting divorced. And she calls her father immediately. You're not getting a divorce. Don't do another thing. The two of us are flying home tomorrow. We'll talk about it. Until then, don't call a lawyer. Don't file a paper. Do you hear me? And she hangs up. The old man turns to his wife and says, okay, they're coming for Christmas and they're paying their own airfares. <laughs> well, this morning we're going to talk about coming home for Christmas. <laughs> Joseph and Mary are heading home. Let's read the text. Now in those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and the family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Personally, I don't, I don't like to be late. I don't know about you, but I like to be on time. I'm just that way. Many times I'll get to somewhere where I need to be early. Don't like to be late. If you've noticed, we try to start here at Calvary Chapel. We start right on time. And if we don't, the worship leader gets my full attention. Now, for those of us among here this morning, those of us who are maybe have a tendency to be a little different than being right on time, maybe we always run a little bit late. For you, you look at us people, people like me, you see us, we're legalists or perfectionists. You know what the definition of a perfectionist is? Somebody who takes pains and gives it to others. <laughs> well, this morning I want to talk about the aspect, there's a spiritual aspect of being late as it, as it opposed, applies to both the Christmas story and to our personal lives also. Now, 
in what we, the verses that we read, Mary and Joseph get to Bethlehem, and there's no room at the end. Did you see that? Verse 7, no room at the end. Now, I've given sermons on making room for Jesus in your Christmas celebration. And there's, from this text, you can say that, can you not? And that's applicable. However, as I looked at this text, I thought, maybe the reason there was no room at the inn is because they were late. I mean, think about it. Mary was very pregnant. Maybe they left Nazareth a little bit later than they had planned, or she was not walking as fast as she possibly could. I mean, she was almost ready to give birth. And so they got there, and the reason there's no room at the inn is really practical. They were late, and everybody had gotten there before them. They passed them on the road. And maybe the solution would have been that Joseph just get Mary going a little bit sooner. And that's not, don't make that, don't be hitting your wife with your elbow there. Get her, get her going a little bit sooner, or maybe have left a little bit earlier to give time for them to get to Bethlehem. No room for Jesus. Perhaps, perhaps, they were just late. Now, I want to consider the the subject of being late. And there's implications in this first Christmas, but also in this Christmas here, too. Three thoughts that I came up with from this text. First of all, in other passages, Jesus at times seems to be late. As you read in the scriptures, you'll notice that there are times... When he seemed to be late. I've, mentioned, I've written down three in your bulletins. The first one is in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Verse 45 and following. As you can see, the text is that all day long they had been feeding and ministering to this large group of people. Verse 44, chapter Mark 6 says that they, they fed 5,000 people. Well, as the day grows later... Jesus puts the disciples in the boat and sends them across the Sea of Galilee. He goes to pray. Sometime later, he notices that they're on the lake and they're struggling because the wind has come up and the wind and the waves is against them and they're really struggling. So as the story progresses, you see that he comes walking on the water and uh, rescues them, calms the sea, and everybody's happy. Now, if you read the passage, it says they were all terrified. They were all terrified. But also you need to think, because it says in verse 48, when he came to them, it was the fourth watch. What does that mean? It was between 3 and 6 in the morning. They had left at sunset or thereabouts. So perhaps they were really glad to see Jesus, but also in the back of their mind they're saying, thanks for coming, but you're a little late. Look with me in John chapter 11. Most of us know this story. This is a story about Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. They were good friends of Jesus. Good friends of Jesus. Now Jesus is down by the Jericho. He's baptizing. They live up in Bethany, which is near Jerusalem. Lazarus gets sick. So what do they do? The sisters send a messenger. Jesus, 
come and help. Your dear friend, Lazarus, is very, very sick. What does Jesus do? Well, the text says he waited two more days before he went up to Jerusalem, headed towards Jerusalem. Well, when he gets there, Lazarus is dead. He's been dead for four days. Martha says to him, verse 21, John 11, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary says the same thing in verse 32. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have died. And essentially they're saying, thanks so much for coming, but you're late. It's been dead for four days. Look with me in Luke 8. Luke chapter 8. Here's another passage. Very familiar passage. Luke 8, verse 40. Story is told, Jesus has been, been working with the crowd, and a man called Jairus, in verse 41, comes up to Jesus and he says, my only daughter, she's, I only have one daughter, she's 12 years old, she's dying, would you come and help? Would you come and pray? Jesus says yes, and he starts towards Jairus' house. While he's in going to Jairus' house, what happens is there's a crowd and there's a little bit of bustling and a lady touches him. And she's been sick for 12 years. Funny, she's, sick as, she's been sick as long as the daughter has been alive. And while Jesus is dealing with her, a messenger comes from Jairus' house and says, don't bother the master, she died. Jesus is late again. Matthew chapter 25. Like the TV commercial that says, okay, we have this, um, these three incidents, but wait, there's more. <laughs> wait, there's more. In the parables... In Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus is talking about the second coming, okay? He talks about, um, in chapter 24, he talks about the parable of the fig tree. Remember that? He talks about the thief coming at night, verse um, 42 of chapter 24. He talks about faithful servants, beginning in verse 45. He talks about the parable of the talents in chapter 25. He talks about... The sheep go judgment later on in chapter 25. And right in the middle is this parable of the ten virgins. Do you remember the story? Ten virgins? Waiting for the bridegroom who represents who? Jesus and his second coming. And while they're waiting, he is late. And they fall asleep. Once again, Jesus is late. No matter how these events ended, at first glance, it seems like Jesus had a tendency to be late, perhaps just like his parents that first day. So we see Jesus in the Gospels appears to be late many times. Second thought as we look at this idea Jesus, however, operates with a completely different perspective. Jesus operates with a, from a completely different perspective. 
Where do I get that? Well, come on with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. Now, we've looked at 2 Peter just a few weeks ago, but let's think again. 2 Peter 3, 3 says, Knowing this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. Okay? What are they mocking about? Verse 4. Where is the promise of his coming, they're saying? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning. What they're saying, he's late. As a matter of fact, he's so late that he's probably not going to come. Okay. Look down with me at verse 8. He kind of explains where Jesus is coming from. Peter goes on, he says in verse 8, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. Okay, so first thing Peter says is, okay, everybody's saying, where is he? He's probably not coming, he's so late. Peter says, oh, wait a minute, you've got to understand, Jesus doesn't deal with time as we do. What does it say? One day is like a thousand years, a thousand years. I mean, he's outside of the parameters of our time. And so Jesus doesn't deal with time as we do. That's the first thing he wants to know. But look what it says in verse 9. However, the Lord is not slow about his promise. In other words, the Lord is not late. The Lord is not late. As some count lateness, but is patient towards you not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So Peter's explaining, not so much that he's late, but he's been out about the business trying to get as many as people as he possibly can into the kingdom, and at the same time, helping us grow in our relationship with him. See, his priority is different from ours. We've got this idea about time. Man, that's not what his, he's not so worried about that. He's worried about people's souls. He's worried about people discovering the way into the kingdom. That's his priority. Now, we get all worked up because it's not happening the way we would like or as quick as we want. But that's not his priority. You know, here in the West, we get all concerned about time, being on time. I mean, and that's an important concept. For me, it is, and perhaps for you. For some of you, it might not be, but being on time in the West is very important. Now, I remember when uh, my dear friend, Pastor Jimmy and Shonda went to the Philippines. Now, in the Philippines, when you have an appointment with someone, our tendency is you just go there and, uh, well, well, Mr. So-and-so, I'm here to talk to you about this. Well, that's not the way it works in the Philippines. In the Philippines, you get there and they want to know how the family's doing. How's the business going? How's your health? And you want to, they want to talk about it. And if you barge in right away and say, um, hey, I'm here to talk to you about that, they consider it rude. It's rude. You're being rude. Because their concept of how they view 
lateness, and you might even get there on time, and the person doesn't show up until 20 minutes later that you're waiting to see. See, they have a different idea about time than we do. One of my favorite movies is the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks. You remember the picture? In the picture, the character that's played by Tom Hanks, he works for FedEx, and he's very concerned about time and getting the packages, not late, on time. And that's seen in his business life and in his relationship with his family. You remember the story how they, he had to leave on, a, on Christmas Eve and he had to, they were busily setting up their schedule. Do you remember that? And what happens? His plane crashes in the middle of the Pacific and he's thrown onto a deserted island out in the middle of nowhere. And for, he's there for the next four years by himself. Well, when he finally gets uh, rescued... Everyone has moved on, <laughs> moved on with their life. His fiancée has married his dentist, no less, and they've had a child. And he's four years late for everything. Some people are kind of frustrated with the end of that picture, but it kind of gives you the thing that even though he's late, there's a whole new twist and a whole new life waiting for him. The reason I bring this up is because Jesus is much more interested in your soul. Jesus is much more interested in you growing in the Lord and finding life than he is in about your structured way you think your life should be going. Jesus if you look at the Bible in first reading, it seems to be he's, many times he's late. And that's because Jesus operates with a completely different perspective. But Jesus is always right on time. <laughs> he's always right on time. Look with me in Galatians 4.4, our last passage. Galatians 4.4. 4. Paul tells us that Jesus is right on time. Look at Galatians 4.4 4 with me. But when the fullness of time came, some, it depends if you have the NIV or some other translation, right on time. Jesus came right on time. He came right on time. But when the fullness of time came, his son, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, Born under the law. Born under the law. Jesus came right on time. Just when he could. Now, think about this as we kind of march through his ministry. As we take a look at his ministry. So he was born right on time. Not, not a little early. Not too late. But right when he was supposed to be born. He begins his ministry in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, by saying, The time is fulfilled. <laughs> the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. He's, so he's saying, as, right here, I'm right on time. It's time for you to respond to the gospel. 
Now, in the passage in Mark chapter 6 that we looked at earlier with the boat and him coming in the fourth watch, which was 3 to 6 a.m., he was right on time. He was right on time. They are almost needing him. The boat was almost being swamped, but he got there right on time. Even though it seemed late to them, he wasn't needed until that moment, and that's exactly when he showed up. In John chapter 11 with Lazarus. Now you have to understand the time. It was four days, right? They came to Jesus. And he was down by Jericho. Bethany is up by Jerusalem. So a messenger comes and says, your friend Lazarus is sick. Come and help him. Well, he waits another two days. When he gets there, he's been dead four days. What does that mean? Well, it means when the messenger got to Jesus, Lazarus died that very day. He wasn't late. He was right on time. And why I say that is because everyone was gathered. Everyone was mourning with Martha and Mary. And Jesus has something that he wants to tell everyone gathered. And what did he want to tell them? I am the resurrection and the life. Even if one should die, he will live. And then he asked the question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? He came right on time. As a matter of fact, if you look in John chapter 12, Lazarus, they had a big dinner the next night. (laughs) And they had a wonderful time together. Jesus came right on time. In Luke chapter 8, the story with Jairus, his little daughter, the daughter had a little peek at heaven, and then she was given back to her father. No problems there. Now, if you read the prophecy of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel is given a vision of what's, when the Messiah is going to come and straighten out this whole world. And if you go back there and read Daniel chapter 9, there are some commentators say that according to the timing set out in that prophecy, when Jesus came and presented himself as the Messiah to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he presented himself to the day that Daniel had predicted that he would be there. Jesus was not late. He was right on time. Right on time. So Jesus at times seems late, but he's operating with a different perspective. And he's always right on time. Now for some of you this morning, you might sense that the the Lord's a little bit late with your issue. All, All of God's kids got issues, right? You've got an issue. You're with. And you're thinking, you know, I have at least two or three things, Lord, that you could have done earlier and worked it all out. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's some of you, every one of us have something. You know, why, have you, why are you waiting? Why is this taking so long, Lord? 
And you have to understand this. You have to understand this. That Jesus is more concerned, not about your prearranged schedule or your timing, or you're fitting him into your little box of understanding what he should do in your life. He's much more concerned about your soul. He's much more concerned about helping you into the kingdom. And he's much more concerned about you beginning to realize his love and his grace in your life. Why is this taking so long, Lord? Why? Because he's doing something. And he'll arrive right on time in your life. That's the first application from this. The second application is there might be some here this morning where your time is running out. (laughs) It's getting a little late. Why do I say that? Well, the Bible tells us, first of all, that sin deceives us. Sin deceives us. And so if we give our lives, instead of Christ, to doing what we would like to do and living our lives for ourselves and our own sin, that it deceives us, that we can't see the truth. Now, for alcoholics and drug addicts, they have what they call an intervention. Do you know what an intervention is? That's when they get the person who's, a, who's an alcoholic or struggling with drugs, and they sit him down in a room, and all his relatives and friends kind of show up. And what they do is they tell him the truth about where his life is going. These are the people who love him and, or care for her. So they tell the truth to this person. Why do they have to do that? Because the person has given themselves over to alcoholism or whatever they're into, and they've been deceived. They cannot see the truth. So the Bible tells us, if we give ourselves over to a sinful life, it'll deceive us so that we can't see it. We can't see it for ourselves. But it also tells us that it hardens our heart and our conscience. We give ourselves over to it. And pretty soon we find ourselves in a place where we're not, we can't hear it. We don't even care about spiritual things anymore. We've become, our conscience is seared, the Bible says, as with a hot iron. If you take a piece of meat and you throw it on the grill and you just leave it on there for long enough, good application, the fire, burning that meat, the meat turns to be hard. You don't want to, want to eat it. Well, that's what sin does to our conscience, our heart. The time might be running out. The Bible also tells us there's a time appointed for each person to die and then the judgment. Hebrews 9.27 is appointed for once for a man to die and after this is an appointed time. Now, that means that all of us are a hair's breadth away from the judgment of God. There's some that are here this morning that might not make the, New- the Christmas Eve service. <laughs> It's possible. Some might, ne- might not be here next Sunday. It's very, very possible. There's a time appointed, once for a man to die, and after that comes the judgment. That means when you die, 
we come under the judgment of God. Now, if we have believed in Christ, the judgment has been paid, has been put upon Jesus. That's what the Bible says. He paid the penalty for our sins. And rather than the judgment falling on us, it has fallen on Christ at his cross. And we're welcomed in with these words, well, good, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. However, if we don't have Christ, we haven't surrendered our lives to Christ, we haven't put our faith and our trust in him, it says we'll die and we'll have to stand before God and answer those things that we've done. We'll come under the judgment of God. Here's the question. Here's the question. Have you made, have, are you at peace with the fact that you could die this afternoon? Maybe you're planning on going home and watching a game. You know, there's a lot of NFL games kind of finishing up the season. You're excited about the game afterwards. And you're wishing I would stop early so you could get home <laughs> to see the game. <laughs> now, there's a, we've noticed that since the football season has started, we've noticed that the attendance of the first service has increased. <laughs> and we knew. See, we thought, oh yeah, these people really, they want to get with God early. Um, well, that might be true, but it also might be true that you want to get home in time to see the start of the first game. If you time it right, you could be home by 10.30. So you're thinking, um, I'm just going to go home and watch the game. You, that might be true, but you might be a hair's breadth away from finding yourself in eternity. It's getting late. It's getting late. Finally, the Lord has brought you here this morning. He's arranged circumstances in your life in such a way that he's brought you here so that this message, this Bible message might speak to your heart. And this is your time. This is your day. This is it. He's brought you here today. And he's arranged all the things that are going on in your life to speak to you, to tell you it's not too late yet. The question is, are you going to miss it? Let it go by? This is your time. He's made this day for you. Years ago, we used to sing this song. I was going to try and sing it this morning, but I have this little cold, so I'm not going to do it. So I'll just read it. Remember this song? In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Lord, please show me every day as you're teaching me your way that you do just what you say in your time. In your time, in your time, you make all things beautiful in your time. Lord, my life to you I bring. May each song I have to sing be to you a lovely thing in your In your time. Jesus is right on time. And he wants to speak to you. But he hasn't forsaken you. 
He's working these things out. And for those of you who don't know him yet, he's telling you right this morning on this Christmas season, this is your time. Don't be late. Don't miss it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. The fullness of time, God sent his only son. Here's the question, Lord. Will we hear your voice this Christmas season? When we think of Christmas, we think of the babe lying in the manger. Hear the cries as he's hungry and needs to be changed. But that's not necessarily the message that Christ would bring to us today. He would bring to us, yes, I came as a babe, but I came to help you. I came to heal you. I came to rescue you from the sure judgment of God. I've come, as it says in many of the hymns, Christ, the Savior of the world. Though a babe, he has come. May we receive him that way, not just as a babe, but as indeed our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.